A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth that proceeds from the Father, he will testify to me. And you also testify, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have much more to tell you, but you cannot bear it now. But when he comes, the Spirit of truth, he will guide you to all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak what he hears, and will declare to you the things that are coming. He will glorify me, because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Everything that the Father has is mine. For this reason I told you that he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Pentecost, with his attention to the life-giving breath of God, seems especially poignant this year, with the world immersed in a pandemic caused by a virus that takes away breath and, tragically often, life. Barbara Brown Taylor reminds us that our gorgeous blue planet is wrapped in a protective veil we call the atmosphere, which separates the air we breathe from the cold vacuum of outer space. Beneath this veil is all the air that ever was. No cosmic planet-cleaning company comes along every hundred years or so to suck out all the old air and pump in some new The same ancient air just keeps recirculating, which means that every time any of us breathes, we breathe stardust left over from the creation of the earth. We breathe brontosaurus breath and pterodactyl breath. We breathe air that has circulated through the rainforests of Kenya and air that has turned yellow with sulfur over Mexico City. We breathe the same air that Plato breathed, and Mozart, and Michelangelo, not to mention Hitler. Every time we breathe, we take in what was once some baby's first breath, or some dying person's last. We take it in, we use it to live, and when we breathe out, it carries some of us with it, into the next person, or tree, or a blue-tailed skink who uses it to live. Rachel Held Evans looks back to the moment of God's creating. In the beginning, God breathed, and the dust breathed back enough oxygen, water, and carbon dioxide to make an atmosphere, to make a human. Job knew life as the breath of God in my nostrils, given and taken away. With breath, the Creator kindled the stars, parted a sea, woke a valley of dry bones, inspired a sacred text. So, too, the Spirit, inhaled and exhaled in a million quotidian ways, animates, revives, nourishes, sustains, speaks. At the Last Supper in John's Gospel, Jesus is preparing his disciples for the time when he will no longer be with them. In this long discourse, Jesus provides specific assurances 
and then surprises them with hints that even more is to come. Jesus promises to send another advocate, Paraclete. So Jesus himself is the first Paraclete. The likeness of the Spirit to Jesus enables the Spirit to substitute for Jesus. Rather than thinking of the Spirit as someone else who is sent to us, we might better understand the presence of the Spirit as the one who enlivens and sends us into the world to continue the ministry of Jesus. Jesus says that it is better that he go away, for otherwise the paraclete will not come. In Jesus, the Word became flesh. The paraclete is not incarnate. In one human life of Jesus, visibly, at a definite time, in a definite place, God's presence was uniquely in the world, but then returned to the Father. However, the paraclete's presence is not visible, not confined to any one time or place. Rather, the paraclete dwells in everyone who loves Jesus and keeps the commandments, and so his presence is not limited by time. Not only is Jesus' departure necessary, it enables more of God's work in the world. The spectacle of Pentecost is not that something from outside the world interrupted, penetrated human experience, but that through the Spirit, we begin to see ourselves and all others in a new light. God's greatest work is still to come. Through the gift of the Holy Spirit, we get to participate actively as conscious and knowing beings within God's own creative act. Father Terence Klein paints a wonderful image of the Holy Spirit hidden inside Mary Gordon's newest novel, Payback. The novel's central character, Agnes Vaughan, becomes a licensed restorer of artistic masterpieces. Agnes prefers working on medieval statues. The objects to be repaired, nearly always sacred, nearly always the object of prayer. The sense that they contained in them the urgencies and needs of people year after year, asking for help. Agnes prefers repairing works that were made from the most natural, least costly of materials, wood. Works that were prayed to, kissed, and caressed, and believed to cure plague or infertility or heartache. No painting could replicate what these works achieved, the etched grief on the mourning mother, the lift of the hip of the young Madonna carrying her child, the child's playful grasping of the mother's chin. These sculptures, she felt, were unparalleled in what they said about life's fragility and in the face of it, an unquenchable vitality. But missing hands or gaps or abrasions, her sculptures could absorb them and still present the viewer the possibility of elation that came from great works of art, humbly conceived. And how she revered the artist who did not feel the need to leave their names, who worked with assiduousness on the unseen backs of pieces that would be attached to a wall or placed so high 
that no eye could see the perfection of detail. An antique wooden statue, carved to express the longings of the human heart, is an exceptionally good trace of the Holy Spirit, because when we are truly elated or dejected, our humanity opens itself to that which is more than the human. It opens to God. Whatever else might be said about them, our joy and pain reveal that we are created, that we rest in something larger than ourselves. Michelangelo is believed to have said that when he carved, he simply took away everything that did not look like the finished masterpiece he had envisioned. That is how the Holy Spirit carves us. We are the work of art. We are what emerges from the action of the Spirit. To see the human heart is to see its creator. We see the Spirit at work on the masterpiece we call the human. Look to the edges of your own humanity. You will be unable to picture the Holy Spirit, but you will nonetheless know who this anonymous, humble artist truly is.